0: Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world, one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Now, would you welcome my better half, Wendy, as she comes to give us our message today. Hey. Well, good morning. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Merry Christmas. It's so good to have you guys Apart and to be able to see you. Let me see. Here we go. You know, none of us could have ever imagined last year that this is what Advent was going to look like, right? And as we do Christmas in this crazy, uncertain, unpredictable year, we wanted to be extra focused on reorienting our hearts and our minds to the essentials of Christmas. And so, this Advent, our series is called Simply Christmas. As we slow down and we ponder anew the reality of God coming to earth in the flesh his promise to come again and we want that to allow the time for our these truths to mold and shape our and shape our spirits so traditionally advent uh, focuses on four themes joy love hope and peace um daniel and the team already led the way with us singing joy to the world and joy it is a short but powerful word it's one of the main prayers that i pray for you know that god would bless people with joy Yet, what does that joy really mean? You know, the dictionary defines joy as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Christmas is so much about joy. We experience joy in many of our Christmas traditions, right? And the idea of traditions that led me on this rabbit trail this week of looking at some interesting Christmas traditions that I feel compared to share. Okay, one of them was a long time ago in medieval France. Christians celebrated the feast of the donkey, although they used a different word than donkey, um, where a pregnant girl or someone, a girl carrying a baby would ride a donkey through the town. While the townspeople would sing a song about the goodness of donkeys, particularly remembering the donkey that helped Jesus, Mary, and Joseph escape Egypt. And, um, so anyway, this, this girl would end up at the church and they, where the donkey would be brought to the church and would stand right next to the altar during the service. And as the priest would speak, the congregation would bray or hee-haw in responses back to the priest. And then the priest would sometimes even bray back. It's like, oh my goodness, there are so many ways that I could comment on this tradition, but I am going to show self-control, and I'm going to refrain myself, but boy better that I'm up here than Ross <laughs> but anyway there's another tradition just one more that is probably the strangest and and it's currently practiced it's in Catalonia Spain and they have this Christmas log um, it has a hollow log with a stick and legs and it has a little smile and a red hat so every evening between December 8th and Christmas Eve the children feed this log with small treats and then they leave him under the blanket to keep him warm on Christmas Eve, the children are told to beat that Christmas log with sticks while they sing little songs encouraging the, the log to eliminate, um, um, excrete, um, so, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? D- d- I don't know how to use the word, uh, anyway, defecate all of its treats, right? So then the log is considered useless and then they throw it into the fire for warmth. So here's just a little bit of what it looks like. They hit it and hit it, and then, oh, my goodness, look at all the trees are are excreted out. There we go. All (laughs) righty. I don't know. I mean, what is that? You know, what are they trying to do that you hit something long enough, and then it gives you toys, and then just throw it away like you're useless to me now, Mom? I don't know. Um, Joy comes in a lot of different ways, and traditions are one of them. So today, we want to address two questions. What kind of joy does God invite us to live in, and how do we live that kind of joy out? So in order to get to these questions, I'd like for us to think about um, adventure more like a treasure hunt. Um, I love treasure hunts because aren't some of the best gifts that we get um, the ones that you have to search or hunt for? So Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So he sacrifices because he knows there's a treasure. And that's what I want us to encourage this Advent season, that we're going to go on a treasure hunt for these core essentials of Christmas, the joy, the hope, the love, and the peace. So many of you um, have just jumped into this Christmas season decorating and shopping with such a zeal. Um, You know, I admire you. I mean, I know one person in particular at at midnight on November 1st was, was ready to do this. I admire people that are able to do that, but it has not been me. A friend posted this picture um, and saying, I just went Christmas shopping and now I am choosing joy. It is a choice, right? And that is me. That is, that's been my attitude this month. And I do not, I know it's just been a hard, hard to get into this mood. So, so my goal this Advent is I'm treasure seeking joy. And the whole point of the hidden treasure story is that the man saw the treasure, he saw something valuable, something to rejoice in, and because of that joy, he went and devoted everything to it. The story of Christmas is the story of a hidden treasure worth selling everything for. It's two stories about two sets of people hearing about a treasure and searching out a Messiah. One of those stories is told in Luke. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds get an angelic announcement of the birth of Christ. The angels, I mean, could have announced it any way they wanted, but what did they say? They say, We bring you good news of great joy. Not purpose, but just joy. So which has the shepherds? They go off on this treasure hunt to find this gift. And they find a savior lying in a manger. Some of the best gifts in life take some time to work to, to get to, don't they? Ross, is he's one of the best gifts in my life. He's been with me for 35 years through many ups and downs. There are things about me that are justifiably frustrating to him. And yet he doesn't give up. and just, He keeps searching to find the best in me. And after all these years, he still seeks to find that there is a hidden treasure in me. And that is a lot about how our relationship with God works. God wants to keep us pursuing him so he can give us a new treasure. Treasures like joy. But I think most of us stop and we don't go the distance to seek the treasure that God has for us. We settle for something much less a substandard kind of joy and not the joy that god desires for us to experience because can you imagine if the shepherds had started on that journey to bethlehem they got there but they couldn't find jesus and they just gave up and how about if we look at the counterparts um, the shepherds counterparts and the wise men that are coming from the east who saw in the stars something that made them go at least a thousand miles out of their way to discover this king they kept searching And it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Now, in Greek, these words rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It reflects a rare kind of joy that cannot be contained. So in in my head, I see these wise men as these like distinguished scholars, probably with a little bit of starch left in their collars. and But they are absolutely filled with joy, maybe even jumping up and down, because this is the greatest discovery of their lives. They found the Messiah and a Savior, and they were changed forever. And I think it's interesting to note that their treasure hunt led to them changing the course of history because they brought those gifts. And that made a provision for Mary, Joseph, and Jesus when they had to flee from Herod's killing spree that he had. So a deep, persistent, abiding joy only comes by pushing through, by not quitting, on seeking out that treasure that is in Christ. So even in the midst of this continued global health crisis, struggling economy, political and social unrest, we too can experience joy. And wouldn't it be just like God to bring joy in a time when it's hard for us to see family when we have so many different restrictions but to be like him and to use this time to learn more and experience more of joy so let's seek to understand what kind of joy does god invite us to live in joy is a theme that runs throughout the bible from the very beginning joy was a part of our world god called his creation good and so that people naturally they found joy in all the good things that he created like nature and good food and relationships Yet, you know, our world became corrupted because of our selfishness and it and it made it a lot harder for anyone to experience this kind of joy But however as christians god gave us this whole unique perspective of joy Because it's not a joy that's based upon circumstances. It's based on a trust of his love and his promises Throughout all of Scripture, we consistently see how God's people learned how to choose joy despite oppressive seasons. The early church was known for being full of joy, even when persecuted. And ironically, of all the books in the Bible, the books that Paul wrote while he was imprisoned are the most joyful. Nowhere now does God say that we're supposed to minimize sorrow and just focus on this um, putting on a fake face of joy. Sorrow and grief are holy emotions and the bible gives us wisdom on how to process them well And we as christians we know our loss is not the final word we know because jesus overcame Death itself and that makes joy possible even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances So I just want you to sit with a few scriptures that tell us about this joy Jesus says These things Have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full Now some may react to this as a little bit trite, especially if you're going through a difficult time But notice jesus says this the night that he is going to be betrayed He knows what's coming He has been talking to his disciples about being betrayed beaten and killed And so they're all in this very difficult place emotionally So jesus says in this darkest hours of their life the darkest hours of human history he talks about the strength of joy that god wants us to live in You know in the midst of paul's own experience of being stoned and beaten and persecuted um, And threatened he writes for the kingdom of god is not a matter of eating and drinking But of righteousness and peace and joy in the holy spirit So the kingdom of god is about three things righteousness peace and joy Do I really believe that? Peter says this joy is inexpressible. It's overflowing. The Bible describes joy as having no limits beyond explanation and not dependent upon our circumstances. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's known as the preacher's preacher. He passed away in 1981, but he was amazing. He was known for being able to keep people interested while giving an entire sermon on just one word from the Bible. And so while he was preaching through this verse that we just read from Paul in Romans, he preached one week on righteousness, um, the second week on peace. And then before he could preach the the next week, he had several health issues and he needed some time to recover. And when he returned to speaking, he did not finish that final part of the verse where it says the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. Because he felt like the Holy Spirit actually stopped him from doing so. And he believed it was because I don't know enough about this. Now, he was an intellectual genius, but it's that he didn't know enough about joy from experience. And I think that we'd all agree with him saying that we do not have enough experience of this true biblical joy. Now, John Piper, he says that Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Rick Warren says it this way. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I think these ideas really drive us closer to a definition of joy. Because joy is a feeling, but it's not just a feeling, right? It includes feeling, but it includes an understanding and a confidence and a trust in God. Now some theologians and even psychologists, they separate out happiness and joy. Like, happiness is being more short-term and coming from external sources. Like, we're happy if our circumstances are going well in our life. Whereas joy comes from more in an internal place, and it's stable for the long term because it's not based on our circumstances, but on our understanding and relationship with God. And that latter part is definitely where we want to land. But I think it is important and helpful to sort of see joy on a continuum. Because it is biblical to get joy from external sources like relationships and yummy food and gifts. But we know we don't stop there. Our goal is not to make ourselves consistently like coming home from work and saying, how can I make myself feel good and happy? We continually go on that treasure hunt of seeking for something more and not just things that are going to distract and entertain us. Which leads us to this truth that since true joy comes from God, we have to be more aware of where we are seeking our joy from we want so that we can have that honesty when like David did when he says therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices i love it when the passion translation says it this way my heart and soul explode with joy because in your presence there is a fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore now if true joy comes from god it is important to assess you know how we see god now do you see him as joyful like he's a good time um He is the creator of joy. God is joy. The Bible tells us that in Isaiah 53 that God is acquainted with grief. He's acquainted with it. But that is not where God lives. He lives in joy. And how do we know that? If you just look at Jesus, I mean, kids love being around Jesus, right? Have you ever seen a child run up to a grumpy grouch? Well, maybe to kick their shins. I don't know. But usually, children come running to happy people who make them laugh and feel welcome. Who sweep them up in their arms and play with them and that is what jesus was like the disciples They tried to keep the kids away from jesus, but because You know, there was serious stuff to deal with and to focus upon but jesus said let the kids come to me Which leads us to our second question How do we live this kind of joy? Now jesus showed us be real enjoy life. Let the kids come to you have fun Life doesn't always have to be so serious Because Jesus wasn't always preaching. In fact, he was often at a party, so much so that he was known as what? A friend of sinners, accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. Jesus would hang out with people and enjoy their company. In the Old Testament, God established numerous feasts and celebrations as a great way to remember truths and to enjoy life. And that's what we do here at Christmas, right? We take time to celebrate, have a good time as we remember the birth and life of Christ. So as followers of Jesus, I think we, get, we need to celebrate more the big things and the small things in our life as much as we could. Um, there's something called the Shorter Westminster Catechism. It was written like 350 years ago and it provides a very succinct summary of Christian faith and it has, a, it has had a profound impact on shaping the lives of Christians. And I love what it says. It says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now think about it. I I think it's the second half that I think we forget that we don't realize that God wants us to enjoy him You know, the disciples sure did Um, In acts 13, it says and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the holy spirit continually filled Paul talks about how we know that we're growing with god Where certain fruit is naturally produced in our lives, right? Um, What does it say the fruit of the spirit is who can do it for me? Love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness hot dog good job you guys need to treat okay um yeah but and to talk about that kind of joy is explaining that it doesn't come from outside sources right it comes from the holy spirit within as we learn to obey god give him control over our decisions allow him to talk and shape the way that we think about situations the closer we get to god the more that that fruit's going to grow the more joy that we're going to have and the joy we seek is this treasure hunt in God because he is the source of our joy. So as highlighted above, we, John 15, Jesus was telling us to obey him, not out of fear, um, but out of relationship. And he says, obey me so that what my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Do we think of obedience and joy in such a beautiful combination? God has designed for us to discover joy in him and relationship with others. And then it goes on when um, you read the gospel, Jesus is sending out his disciples in groups of two and they minister. They experience a lot of miracles happen and they pray for people and they're announcing the kingdom of God is here. And so when they come back, it says, at that very time, Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. So what did joy look like for Jesus in that moment? Like, as he listened to the disciples share those details of all the things that they saw and did, was Jesus smiling and laughing? I mean, it says that Jesus had much joy over the works that God did through their lives together, which highlights just another key of how we live in joy. When we do life together, when we serve together, joy is a result. Another key is practicing gratitude that brings great joy. And that's what I think we value about right. Thankful November's, where every day you share something that you're grateful for. How many participated in that this year? I started on the 20th. Does that count? So anyway, so I'm continuing still or something. I was later we started. Um, but research does show that identifying the things that you're grateful for it improves your level of happiness. So the Bible's always encouraged this. So keep that November gratitude challenge going. And a final key to living in joy. And this is where I, I finished the message, and I felt like I had to go back and add this piece um, because I felt like it was really important to know that it's a mutual joy. Now, we enjoy God, but for us to know how much God enjoys you. and Because we don't just find our joy in him. He finds joy in us. In the next verses, God is speaking over a broken, sinful people who he is in the process of restoring. So that means this applies to us too, right? The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Wow, doesn't that paint a powerful picture of full of emotion? God the Father is the one who holds his people, and he sings over them with joy. Just as a loving parent would cradle a child and sing songs out of love. And after a long time of hardship, God dries their tears comforts their hearts and he sings the song of great love and joy over them Do you picture that that with god and yourself? I mean, it's almost too good to believe, isn't it? God does not begrudgingly admit us into his presence and into his kingdom. He doesn't just tolerate us We didn't just squeak by the judge, right? No, the scripture says that when one person turns to follow him all of heaven rejoices. He throws a party God has joy over you So you've probably heard the famous quote from nehemiah. What does it say the joy of the lord is your strength The context of this verse is where israel was returning home from exile due to their disobedience Jerusalem is in shambles. Everything reminds them of how they have failed and the people are weeping over their sin So nehemiah reminds them of who god is And he says, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He reminds the people that God is forgiving. He's gracious and compassionate. So stop your weeping. Let's have a celebration. It goes on to say, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that was declared to them. Do we realize how our repentance is so connected to experiencing the joy of the Lord that it becomes our strength? Because I think if we did, that we wouldn't get so stuck when we get messed up and say, oh my gosh, I screwed up again. We'd focus on who God is and the joy of knowing him in that process of being restored. This joy Jesus offers is so secure. It anchors our lives. I'm not a fisherman, but I do know this. I know that when you find a good fishing hole, you want to stay there. So you throw out an anchor, right? You don't want to be just blown wherever. So how can we be intentional in choosing God to anchor us in joy? So Kay Warren, she's a wife of Pastor Rick Warren, and she describes this anchor as joy is a settled conviction about God. It is a quiet conviction um, and is a determ- about God, and it is a determined choice to give our praise to God. Now her definition resonates deeply for me because she's lived choosing joy in one of the worst ways imaginable. Kay's son, which many of you might know, struggled for 20 years um, with intense mental and emotional suffering. And he took his life on April 5th of 2013. And Kay shared how the night her son took his life that she could not sleep because she was so full of anxiety and grief because she thought that he had harmed himself. And in the morning, she was pretty sure that he had died. So when she got dressed, she reached into her jewelry drawer and selected a necklace that said, choose joy. And she writes, she writes, I was sick to my stomach, shaking from head to toe and terrified that what I had dreaded had actually happened. But I put that necklace on because somewhere in the dim recesses of my frozen mind, I was certain the only thing that was going to allow me to survive the loss of my son was what I knew and believed about God and joy. That morning, I possessed these three things, the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be okay, and the determined choice to give my praise to God even on April fifth two thousand and thirteen I mean the next few months i mean we 're just shattering grief and loss I mean that she those severely tested the convictions of choosing joy for her, but her choice allowed her to make it through to keep living, and in fact, her marriage even grew deeper. Um, In levels of the love that they had for one another and that's the power of knowing the source of true joy So for many of us, you know We come into this christmas season and we can't help but think of a loved one who is gone Maybe it's a grandparent or a parent a sibling a child or a friend And it hurts because it's all we can think about right Your choice of joy may not look like exactly like kay warrens She took off time of work as she was out of the spotlight. She focused on grieving because it's a process The Bible teaches us that grief is a process, and we need to honor that. And when we do, hope and joy can emerge. I love Isaiah's prophetic word of the coming Messiah. And I love that Jesus, how he spoke these same words when he was in his hometown synagogue, and he was declaring who he was and what he was going to do. And it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. To the poor, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them, and this is what I love, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. There is a unique emphasis given here uh, for those who grieve. And the visuals are striking. I mean, Jewish tradition had a person that was mourning. They literally would put cast ashes over their head as a symbol of their grief. And what God is saying here is that instead of those ashes, you are going to have a crown of beauty. A symbol of a joyous occasion like a, like a bride wears you know, a veil and a crown in that way. God can take despair and make 180 Degrees With us and give us joy So as we close I want let's remember joy is found in the same place the wise men and the shepherds found it It wasn't not bethlehem not following a star true joy is found in the person of jesus christ There is no other goal that supersedes this goal of knowing jesus So if you have not experienced that joy of having your sins forgiven the joy of being in a right relationship with god you can do that by just asking forgiveness from God and choosing to say, Hey, God, I want to follow you. I want you to lead my life. So if you want to make that choice today or you're wanting to know more about it, I encourage you just please talk to someone, a friend who knows God. You can email me or Ross or Jeremy, just, and we can talk, you know. So how do we live this out this week? I'd like you to ask yourself, like on a scale of 1 to 10, what level of joy would you say that you're living in right now? Is it a 2? Somebody at an 8? I'm going to hang out with you if you are. Um, But on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at? And I want you to think about participating in a treasure hunt of pursuing God, the source of all joy in this Advent season. Now, I believe that choosing joy is one of the best ways that we push back on the enemy's turmoil in this world. Choosing joy is an integral part of our faith. So knowing that perspective, I I want you to not um, think my first recommendation is fluffy or even trivial Um, Years ago when working as a counselor with teens who dealt with addictions It was critical that we had to work with the entire family And most of the families became very skilled at identifying triggers and how not to be codependent But what we found out is that if we didn't get them to learn how to have fun together again They didn't survive as a family Because without fun, they didn't heal So the first thing I would encourage you to do this week is have fun do something fun individually or with other people. We get joy from God by having purpose and serving. But sometimes it's good just to do something fun for absolutely no reason at all. Because God is joy. You know, my daughter was trying to flip my grumpy self-cat, um, self cat self that I was on Thanksgiving. And she was having me dance in the street. Um, not in the main, beside street here. Um, to that all-time greatest dance song that I love. What is it? That one, I will survive. And I tell you, it helped me. Maybe it'll help you. Um, Maybe you could bake a cookie that you've always wanted to bake. And while you're doing it, you could talk like the sweetest chef from the Muppets. I don't know. Make snow angels on the floor of your living room. Have a pillow fight. You know, you have permission to do something for no reason at all, just for the joy of it because he's the creator of joy. Second, I'd say enjoy the good gifts God has given you enjoy music art sports friendships food hobbies that we can right now and all the ways Um, all of these are meant for for human enjoyment to be liberally enjoyed regularly practiced and then practice that gratitude about these things tell people how much they mean to you tell god how thankful you are for the gifts that he has given and third seek god and allow him to help you change your perspective Deep joy does not come from what happens to us, but how we respond about these experiences Knowing god's our true source of joy. We can ask ourselves god like how am I supposed to do this now? In this situation where I can't even be around family and all the stuff that i'm facing How do you want to bring your hope your power and your joy? So let's pray. Let's pray God, I just want to thank you so much. We want to thank you that you are joy We want to know that more fully in all that you have created for us to be able to experience. We thank you that you are our source. Thank you, Lord. Just give us wisdom as we navigate and and take next steps in in choosing joy in the season of our life. Lord, I pray particularly for those who are feeling like joy is unattainable. And Lord, I just want to bind that lie in their lives. I pray that you would bless them with your spirit of truth. That you can bring joy in the darkest of nights. So we bless them. We bless that there would be a joy that would come over the church in a way that would bring life to this season. Yes. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We love you so very much. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.